I have this uh, memory in my mind um, of being about, oh, probably seven or eight years old, and I was attending church um, with my family in Lexington, Kentucky. My dad was a minister of education at the time, and so there wasn't an option to go to church in my, in my family. We were there every Sunday, and I, I, my family always sat on the second row, and from the second row... Um, the, the, typically the front pew of our church, um, was empty, always empty. And I always sat on the second row and typically my parents sat behind me on the third row and, uh, where they had good, uh, flicking range for when I got out of control. Um, seated there on the second row, I had a great view. I didn't always pay attention though. Most often I didn't, in fact. But there's one particular Sunday that grabbed my attention, and I haven't forgotten it yet, and I'm almost 40 years old. This Sunday, I don't remember what I was doing. I was probably um, doodling on the silent roll call cards. That's what we used to have, silent roll call cards. Anyway, there were these little pieces of paper that were shoved in the back of every pew with pencils ready for available for people. I think they were supposed to be using them for light telling people you were at church that day, but they made great tic-tac-toe piece of paper for me. So I was playing with a silent roll call card, looking down, not really understanding what was going on around me in the big picture, when all of a sudden I heard this really loud thud. And I looked up and saw this giant man sobbing and crying not too far away from me. And I'll never forget the way he looked and the way that knee sounded when it hit that wooden floor. And I remember my eyes fixing on this guy, wondering what was going on. He was racked with sobbing. It wasn't a little gentle Hollywood tear coming down his cheek. It was messy tears. And his head was held down in his hands and his body was shaking. And pretty soon some of the uh, pastors came and and helped him make it to the front row, and they, and they talked with him and they prayed with him. All these years since, I've never been able to get the sound of that knee thudding and watching that, the vision of that man crying. Never been able to get it out of my mind. And I had no idea as a child how much that image would come to mean to me as a young woman. Ever since I was 16 or 17 years old, I have been on a quest to change the world. I decided to do that my sophomore or junior year of high school as for the previous three weeks, Shannon and the team have been laying out to you what has been going on in the United States of America in the previous 20, 50, 60, 70 years as we have watched um, an incredible um, immorality pour out into our country. Well, I was in the middle of junior high, high school, when I began to look to the left and the right and seeing friends that I had grown up with make devastating choices in their lives at the ages of 16 and 17 years old. I read a book that once said that the biggest problems in the American high school back in 19, uh, early 50s were gum chewing and not getting trash thrown in the waste paper basket. Unfortunately, my eyes would never see a day where the biggest problem on a public high school was gum chewing and getting trash thrown in the trash can. In my day, the biggest problems were rape, guns to school, suicide, drug abuse. I remember very well sitting in my algebra class 
and my friends coming back from lunch. We had open lunch and smelling the alcohol on their breath as they were drunk when they returned. This was my world. This was the environment that I lived in. And I remember deciding, because I was a girl who had gone to church my whole life, despite my own sin and my own issues inside my heart, I knew that this was not the way God wanted us to be. And I had this thought. I remember distinctly thinking, someday, somewhere, someone's going to stand up and do something about this. And I'm going to read about it in a history book. Someday, somewhere, somebody's going to stand up and do something about this. And the thought occurred to me, well, why not me? Why not now? And so in my very naive, zealous, impure, immoral heart at 17, 16, 17 years old, I set out on the quest to try to change the world. And I tried everything I knew to do. Um, I made a lot of radical choices in my high school I, you know, I started a Bible study and I, I started carrying my Bible to school with me and I started trying to share Jesus with my friends. I remember one night our school had a dance and um, they, they um, were going to have a party afterwards and I heard about it. It was a keg party um, and it was, you know, again for all these underage drinkers, but everyone just kind of, you know, turned, their, turned a blind eye to what the teenagers were doing and I was like, no. We need to offer an alternative. So I showed up at the dance and I had a stack of flyers and it was an alcohol-free party. And the alcohol was scratched out, so meaning like no alcohol. But it was kind of like a big joke. And so I was handing out all my little flyers to my friends going, come over. And my, my youth sponsors at my youth group, they helped me. And we got out this beautiful um, tables filled with food and set up a stereo system and had a beautiful swimming pool and invited all my friends to come after the dance to a place where they wouldn't be compromising or breaking the law. Or, or getting drunk and I'll never forget that night sitting on that curb and um, watching all these cars drive by and every time I'd see a headlight I'd go yes my heart would get really excited and they would just drive by and that night like maybe five or six people came and they were all people from my youth group um, and I remember my heart being broken that night and going God this is going to be really hard it's going to be really hard to change the world. And I cried and sobbed and cried. And one guy came in that night. He was extremely drunk, and he passed out on the sidewalk near the pool. So I was glad he came. <laughs> we kind of helped him get home, and he didn't get himself in any more trouble. But that night was a snapshot of how hard it is to change the world. But I didn't give up. I started doing school assemblies. I started talking to elementary school children, telling them about making wise choices and not walking in the way of all this devastation and, and obeying the law and all this stuff. And somewhere in the midst of all that frenzy, I wrote Oprah a letter because everybody writes Oprah letters because I don't know, I think that everybody thinks she's got the power to change the world. And so I was like, well, maybe she does. So I wrote her a letter and said, here's what needs to happen and you guys need to help my generation. And pretty soon the Lord gave me this opportunity through a program called America. America's Junior Miss, where I was able to travel across the country, and I got to sit in big executives' offices up in the Chrysler building, um, and I got to talk to them and talk to them about our generation and how they needed to help, and they needed to put their funding into helping this generation, and I remember distinctly one of those gentlemen with his nice suit looking across that desk at me, and he said, this is all nice and good, and pushed all my papers aside, and he said, but I need you to tell me and convince me what's in it for me. 
And I didn't know I was a prophet, a little prophetic spirit at that time, but I looked across the desk at him and I said, well, I think what's in it for you is that you help us now or we'll come blow your building up. <laughs> I, you know, you hate to be right about things like that. But that's the path that our generation is on. And I was one of the few people in our nation that wasn't surprised on April 20th, 1999, when two young men marched into Columbine High School and opened fire. Because you see, that's what the high schools had looked like in my eyes in the spiritual realm for many, many years. That day, the enemy just walked into the physical. But you see, that's his desire. He has a mission, and it's to kill, steal, and destroy. So my eyes were full in this endeavor to change the world. My eyes were full of devastation, drunkenness, disease, immorality. And I would go to church, and I would pray, and I would listen, and I would say, Jesus, help us. In the middle of my pursuit of trying to figure out how to change the world, one day, just in my daily Bible reading, I happened to be in Second Chronicles, and I happened to cross a verse Chapter 7 was my assigned reading that day. I had no anticipation of encountering God. I had no anticipation of my life changing. I was just sitting on my bed, opening up my Bible, and where do I read today? Oh, it's 2 Chronicles. And I came across 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And it's God talking, and he's talking to Solomon. And they've just dedicated the temple to him. And God says some huge words. And at first, I wasn't really paying attention. Just like I wasn't really paying attention that day when I was six or seven years old, and that gentleman came down, and his knee hit the floor, and it grabbed my heart. It was sort of like that, only it was in my bedroom. And I was reading these words. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. The only words I saw in the whole verse were the last three words. Heal their land. Heal their land. Heal their land. Ha ha ha! Heal their land. That is just like changing the world. God said he would heal the land. And so I quickly had to run myself all the way up to the very beginning of the verse and go, what did he say we had to do again? What did we say we have to do again? Like it was a recipe. Like I'm going to make muffins and I need to find out what those ingredients are because this sounds really yummy. So let's see, what did he say? Okay, 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 okay. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Oh, good. This is good, Jesus, because people at church are, already know about humbling themselves. So this is really good. Okay, humble. What else do we ought to do? Humble themselves and pray. Ah, we already do that at the beginning of our service, the middle and at the end and before meals. So good. This is really good, God. We are on a roll. Humble themselves and pray and then seek my face. Hmm. Not really sure what that means, but I'll figure it out. And then turn from their wicked ways. And then I got stumped. Turn from their wicked ways. And that really puzzled me. So wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. What does that mean? Turn from their wicked ways. God, I think there was a typo in the Bible. Because don't you mean if the world turns from their wicked ways, then you'll bring healing? Because that's what I've been trying to do. Like for the last several years, I've been sitting on street corners trying to get people to come in to this pool where they won't sin instead of going to the place where they will. That's what you mean, right? We're supposed to turn the world from their wicked ways, right? Because that's what I hear in all the sermons all the time. Or all those bad people out there need to stop doing their bad things. 
And if we can get them to stop doing their bad things, then our world will change, right? That's what you meant to say in that. You didn't mean to say, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And I was like, God, I am freaked out. Are you trying to tell me that there is sin at church? Because I don't ever see anybody repenting. I mean, there was that one time when I was six or seven years old, and I remember that, but we always just sing songs and wish the sermon would hurry up and get over, and then we run to Golden Corral. So this is puzzling me, Jesus, because I've lived a whole life in the church, and I don't have very many memories at all of anybody ever really repenting. And everybody comes to church and they smile and they shake hands. And when we ask them how they're doing, they say, I'm fine, how are you? So I think you messed up on that one. Because really where I see wicked ways, you know, that's like on TV and, and like at my school and Friday night, I can find lots of wicked ways. But I don't think I see them at church. Boy, did I have a lot to learn. So I got so excited about 2 Chronicles 7.14, I went Looney Tunes, honest to God truth. I went Looney Tunes. And the reason was because I had just found the ingredients for healing. And I'd been trying to change the world for several years at that point. And I said, everybody needs to know this. So I printed a t-shirt and I had a red headband that I wore around my forehead that said pray. And I, I wore one on my wrist too, and it said pray. And a t-shirt that said pray, um, humble, pray, turn, and seek. And then on the back it said what God will do. Like, you know, you do these things, we'll do these things. And I was going to, I had it now. Now I'm going to change the world, and I know how to do it. So it was exciting. So I went to the church, and I started saying, it's going to be really great. We're going to have these prayer rooms, because I think it's a big deal to God that we pray. And I think it might be more than just a couple times in the service and before we eat. I think he had something bigger in mind. And so I would begin to teach and learn about it myself and spend more time with God. I figured out what it meant to seek his face. I figured out that it meant to, that, we, that we want his face. You know how you can discipline your child by looking at them? Have any parent here understand what that's about? I was a child. My father could discipline me by looking at me. I could be clear across the room and he could just turn his face and do one of those. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm really, really, really sorry. Please, 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 please don't give me the talk. Because I already know because I saw it your face. And I know what your face means because I've studied your face my whole life. And that's what it meant to seek God's face and turn from their wicked ways. Fast forward. What I went to find out after I got the ingredients for healing that um, I was just very sad to see that the church really wasn't that interested. So I kept looking out there at the street and seeing the devastation, knowing God had a heart to heal all that out there, but he had given the power to heal all that out there to his church, and she wasn't interested. So this morning, I have a question for Highland Christian Church. What kind of church are we going to be? God has a present for his church. It's called healing. And he'd love to give it to all of us. 
he'd love for us to, to have it. But I think the thing is that we need to understand is that we already have this. Every single Sunday, we skip around with it. We've got it. We carry it with us. We go places with it. We carry a little bag and we talk to people and we have it. We have our present. We, we go everywhere with our present. But the problem is, is that I haven't seen a lot of people in the American church unpacking it and opening it. And so what Jesus is saying to Highland today is, I, you already got it. It's sitting right there at your feet. But I'd love to ask you as a church, as we move into this prayer series, is Highland going to be a prayerless church? Are we going to be prideful, gimmicky, flashy, cutting edge? We're going to be seeking out schemes and ways of how we can change the world. Are we going to be sinful, wretchedly sinful, sitting here every Sunday, chocked full of sin in our own hearts and leaving just the same as we came? Or are we going to unpack this? So... If we choose to reach in here as a church, if we choose to reach in, then there are going to be some behaviors that are going to start to be very evident in this body. And we've already got some beautiful behaviors that are starting to be evidenced in our body. We're starting to really become expressive in our worship to the Lord and, and loving and pulling in the people who come in among us. We're starting to get some beautiful behaviors, but there's more. And, and, and the first one that I, I'm praying will reach into this bag, this present, and will open it up. It'll be this one. It'll be, it will open up humility. It will just open up humility. And it's an old, dirty rag. And I hope and pray that among this church, it's common to see everyone from the least to the greatest just, just serving. Just getting down on our knees. I, I used to come to Highland when the church first started. I used to come wearing fancy clothes, and I don't anymore because I'm on my knees all the time. I'm crawling under stuff. It's funny because Mary, I hope she didn't mind me saying this, Mary and Brian had a little chat. She's like, couldn't you just wear something better to church on Sunday? And Brian's like, no, I wear my very worst clothes to church on Sunday because I'm always crawling under something to pull a wire out. and it's serving. We're coming to serve. And I, and I don't wear, um, I always wear shoes I can dance around in because I, I always... I always get ruined every Sunday. So things have changed in our postures, and it's so exciting. It's so exciting that it's like, wow, I better not wear my stuff on the outside. I'll save that for the parties, but I'm going to church. I'm going to go serve. And so I, I'm going to get familiar with this old cloth and, and cleaning up stuff and, and serving each other and helping each other and humbling ourselves because Jesus said, if you, no servant is greater than his master. And Jesus did this the very last night of his life. King of kings, Lord of lords, humbled himself. He got down on his knees. And that's what I'm praying the DNA of Highland is. That we see men and women and teenagers and children getting our hands dirty in each other's lives and in the filth of the street. And, and this old rag becomes common around here because we unpacked the present. And if we unpack it, we're going to see a lot of this. Oh, there's more. Wow, how exciting would it be if as a whole church we unpacked prayer? This is my, uh, one of the prayer journals that I've used in the past. I love a blank page. Because you know why? All the words that are someday going to fill this page 
where I'm dumping my burdens and God is meeting me there. And, and maybe you don't pray in a journal. Maybe you pray just spilling it out, however. But unpack it. Learn how to use it just like a brand new present and you got it for Christmas and you're still kind of going, how does this work? I don't know. But you keep after it and you unpack it and it starts becoming good and familiar. And I have a suspicion that God Almighty might step down off his throne and squeeze right into your prayer closet and go, I'll help you. I'll help you learn. Just unpack it and I'll meet you there. And you know what? It's going to interrupt business as usual, everyone. It is not going to be this thing that magically opens up inside your calendar. Oh, look, a whole day with nothing to do. Wow, Jesus, I must be going to meet with you. That doesn't happen. Not in America. You have to make it happen. Am I right? You know I'm right. This always gets, the alarm went off late. I'm sorry, I was up late last night. I had to see the end of whatever that show was. And so I'm really, really tired and I'm running. How dare we enter a day without going, wow. Can I hear your heart, Jesus? Can, can we talk together here about this day, about my parenting, about my career, about the choices I'm making, King of Kings, Lord of the universe, who's created this entire day, you the author of all things, and in you all things hold together. How dare I stumble into this thing you've created thinking I can figure it out all by myself. No, really, really, I've got this. So what would it look like? I think it's going to look different. I think all of us are going to look radically different if as a whole church, we really start going, I'm going to unpack the present of prayer. And I'm going to unpack seeking God's face. I'm going to open it up. And I'm going to fall in love with the holy word of God. I'm going to know it. I hope if Jesus lets me live till I'm 80, that the pages on my Bible are worn out. That it look, there's grease spots and coffee stains and marks and dates and journaling and stuff. And it looks like my best friend. Because I, I got God's heartbeat here. He took a lot of time to write this book for us. And it was meant to be more than something that sits on the coffee table and collects dust. It's the very word of God. And as Shannon and Jason and others have said, at this church, at Highland Christian Church, we completely and deeply believe it is absolutely the word of God. How many do we have on our shelves? And God waits. God waits. He says, hello. I'd really like to talk to you today. Got something good for you. Just even give him a minute. I've done that many times. When life, I tried to tame it and it got out of control. And I wasn't fully able to take 15, 20 minutes. I was like, Jesus, all I've got is a minute. Please make it good. I don't know how many times I can tell you he's honored that. His word is alive. And giving just a glimpse of his word strengthens me. His word is bread. And I eat it and I have strength for my day. We need to be a church that is good at God's word. We're good at it. We're practiced at it. And when we first open it, we might not be so yet. But remember in October, all the Tuesdays of October, right? Shannon is offering himself to teach you how to meet with God. 
how to do this. If you're like, it's awkward, I've never really had success in it before. I don't know if that's going to fly so much when we stand before the Lord. Never really worked for me, Lord. I think that it's something we are commanded to be good at. Have I not commanded you? That God said to Joshua. He talked about how he was supposed to meditate on the book of the law day and night so that you could be careful to do everything written in it. And then at the very bottom of this beautiful gift, there's one more present. I think Jesus is saying, will my church please open this? It cost me a lot to give you this present. And it's my cross. And this is how you can turn from your wicked ways. You put down your sin and you pick up my cross and accept my forgiveness and inside of my cross, accept my blood to give you the strength to overcome. So these are the beautiful postures that I pray aren't going to become unfamiliar here at Highland. But we're going to see that a lot. We're going to see old Bibles and dirty rags and knees that are calloused from prayer. And, and we're going to see the cross being lifted up. And it's not going to be uncommon around here. I have prayed to see men crying at church. Unless I miss something, Jesus has already come back. We're already perfect, perfect and we're already in heaven. Unless I've missed that and we're still on earth and we're still sinful, it is my suspicion that we have walked in here today with sin in our heart. And so God waits with that great big giant word, if you will open this beautiful gift I've given you, healing will come. Or you can keep holding on to what the culture already handed you just because you're born, you got this box. It's really beautiful. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. And we unpack it every day so it doesn't look like much. So instead of humbling yourself, you can, uh, you know, maintain all your dignity. Hold on to your prideful stance. You know, the king never does bow, bow her head because she's, I mean, the queen never bows her head in England. I've been reading about that. She's never supposed to do that because she's the queen. And so she holds on to all of her dignity. And so if we're going to push this aside at this church and we're all going to be all dignified, then just keep hanging on to all those stiff postures. And you'll become stiff-necked, just like Ezekiel talks about. And you get a stiff neck because you won't ever bow it. But around here at this church, we already have a king. And his name is Jesus, and he's the only one around here that gets to keep his head up. All the rest of us need to be real familiar with this posture of King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So we don't maintain our dignity if we're going to unpack this present. So you can, you can pray, you know, you can unpack prayer and invoke the power of God, or you can just go out and work hard yourself. Because that's what they teach us how to do at school. They teach us how to go out there and work hard for ourselves and make a difference in our lives and, and strive and work and press. And maybe if you're good enough at the end of all this work, then maybe you'll get into heaven. But you better be good, really good. And you better work really hard. And we've been holding on to these hammers for a long time in the church. And the, you know what we get? We get what we can do. 
And ladies and gentlemen, in the United States of America, the church has gotten what she could do. Or we can put down our effort and pick up prayer and invoke what God can do. And then you get miracles. Then you get like life transformation and healing and power of God and government's changing and all that stuff. Or we can hang on to our hammer and keep working away at it. There's another book you can study if you don't want to study the Bible. And most of us have studied our whole life. It's a book of our own ambition. This is what I would like to do with my life and I'm going to carve out my own destiny. And really this is preached on most every TV channel, radio station in America. Carve out your own ambition. We study it build our life on this book, figure it out myself. Or we can put down our own ambition and pick up and study the author of life and make his pursuit of our life, his purpose for our life, our purpose. We put down our purpose and we pick up the purpose of God. Wow, wonder what a church would look like if we picked up the purpose of God and we figured it out. And lastly... You can keep hanging on to your chains, your wickedness. You know, lovely little secrets you walked in with this morning. You can worship and pray and drag it in and drag it out. But I, I want to let you know, you've chosen death. It's bound you. So, I think it's a pretty clear choice. You can choose your wickedness. Or you can choose the cross. And let the Lord set you free and bring you healing. Wow. I feel like Moses in Deuteronomy. Where he stood before his people and he said, Now see, I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Like, with all my heart. Choose life. So that you and your children will live long and well in the land that you're about to enter and possess, Highland Christian Church. But the choice is before us. The question if, that word that Miss Sue said, it's a huge word. None of us can fully measure what lies on the other side of answering that question if. So I just want you to know that all of us are accountable. All of us today, we are accountable to the hearing of the word of God. He is offering this and you can't unpack it in secret because it was never intended to be a secret. You unpack it in the open. What I speak to you in the dark, proclaim in the daylight. God means for us to be a church that is visible. This healing isn't just for us. But I have to give you testimony as a girl who has begun unpacking that bag. Goodness, it's probably been 15 years ago. And it has been a journey, a daily journey. But like Joshua said, I don't know what y'all are going to do, but as for me and my house, I am done with that box. 
And I will spend the rest of my life learning how to unpack that present and get good at it every day. And I can give testimony to you, if I had more time, of the tremendous healing that has come into my life since I have obeyed God's ingredients for healing. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then I'll hear you. I'll forgive you and I will heal you. And he has done it. His word is faithful and I can give testimony to the healing in my own life. We're going to, as Shannon said early in the service, we're not gonna just talk about prayer. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it right now. Isn't it funny how sometimes you stumble into an encounter with God? It happened all the time in the, in the Bible. People got up and thought it was an ordinary day and God had other plans. And today's one of those days. God desires to encounter us as a church. And he would love to hear our answer to this question today, even today. And so what we're going to do is Nate and the band, they're going to lead us in a time of prayer and worship. And I'm asking you, as your sister in Christ, to heed the word of God today, to listen and to obey it. We're going to be having communion. It's set on tables today all around you. The reason it's on tables and not in the hands of people like we normally do it is because we want it to happen when you're ready. And my request is that today you don't come and commune with your heart full of sin, but that you would allow your knee to bow. And today in this room, probably all you can do is confess your sin to the Lord and if there's someone you need to speak it out loud to, you would confess it. And then if there is an action that needs to be taken, that is repentance. Repentance is a turning. It's not just a speaking words. It's a turning in the behavior. And you may have to go home today and, and, and clean camp. There may be stuff at home you've got to take care of. If you're going to unpack repentance, if you're going to unpack the cross and unpack healing, then we will be a church that is active in repenting that we're active in humility. So I would ask you during this worship time, if the Lord would move your heart to assume a posture of humility, not just on the inside, but even on the outside, where it's not unfamiliar to our children, where they don't live a whole life like many of us did, never seeing humility. Wow, that looks so different. You're right, you know why? It's a posture that belongs to another kingdom. It's not the stuff of earth. And if God so moves you in this time to be prayerful about a burden that's weighing you down, that would you please stop carrying it around with your little hammer like you can do anything about it? In this time of prayer, if you've come in with a burden, pray it out. Pray it out to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hand it up to Him and let Him do it. Let Him carry it. And let us seek His face. Listen to him. Listen to what he will lead us to say and to sing to him. There it's been said. Jesus, I pray a prayer of blessing over your people here gathered this morning. Help us to feel uncomfortable and awkward, Jesus. Shake us out of these postures that are comfortable but devastating. 
Help us, Jesus, to be uncomfortable so that we can move back in alignment with you. Help us not to fear losing our own dignity. Help us to be consumed instead for the renown of your name, only your name. Who cares about our name? My name doesn't do any good to anybody. I can't save anybody. I can't, I can't take them to heaven. I can't force them to repent. My name is nothing but Jesus. Your name is all. And so help us to be consumed only with the dignity that should be shown and given to your name. Help Highland to be a church that is humble, prayerful, seeking hard after you, and turning from our wicked ways. I ask this in the name of Jesus and for his kingdom.